Hey guys, welcome to Unpopular Opinions with Nick. On this podcast, we will be discussing all things culture, politics, lifestyle, and current events. Come along for the ride. Welcome back to Unpopular Opinions with Nick. Uh, sorry, it's been a while, guys. My goal originally was to get out one podcast a month to you guys. Um, July has been absolutely insanely busy. Um, so sorry I missed my deadline on that one. Uh, I think I'm going to change my format a little bit. So instead of being, you know, the long, in-depth, uh, heavily researched podcast, there's still going to be research. There's still going to be uh, sources to back up my opinions. Um, but I think I'm going to make things a little bit shorter, a little easier to digest, um, and a little easier to get out in a quicker time frame. So we'll go to about maybe a 20 to 30 minute podcast. Uh, so I can kind of keep up with the news cycle a lot quicker, get you guys more, more content that you can engage with, that you can listen to, keep you guys up to date on a more regular cadence. Um, so the new cadence is going to try to be, um, about one to two, uh, one to two weeks. Um, it's tough keeping up with everything. You know, I'm just one guy doing this in my spare time. So, uh, there's a lot that goes into making one of these, even though I don't have, you know, video production or anything, but, uh, so far for everyone who's listened to episode one, uh, thank you for the support. I appreciate it. Hopefully, you know, as I keep doing this more consistently, the quality is going to get better. Uh, maybe I can get some sponsors, get, uh, get some money coming in from this and I can actually invest that into, uh, creating a better show for you guys. Uh, so with that announcement out of the way, uh, let's go ahead and get into some quick hits. Some of these might be a little old. I started working on this show map a while ago and just, uh, just now finished it, but, uh, you know, these are good, good recollection for anyone who missed it back when, back when they happened. So, uh, first thing, which I'm sure everyone is well aware of, uh, gas prices, they're up a dollar from last year and they're about $3 and 16 cents national average at this time of recording, uh, which is July 31st. Uh, that's from gas buddy. Dot com. I don't know about you guys, but my wallet's feeling lighter. Regardless of the 16 cents that I saved on my July 4th festivities. Um, second, the New York mayoral election found 135,000 erroneous ballots. Uh, erroneous, erroneous. Uh, tomato, tomato. Uh, this, I think, is really important because you know, the big taboo where the boogeyman, the spooky, uh, specter that is leaning over the entire country at the moment is, uh, election integrity. And, uh, you know, if this were on YouTube and who knows, maybe I'll get kicked off whatever platforms this gets published to for saying it. But if a New York mayoral election has 135,000 erroneous ballots, that's enough to swing the election one way or the other. Um, uh, I think that our elections need to be completely airtight. Um, the more transparent they are, the more confidence we're going to have in the elections. You're not going to see, you know, people constantly questioning it if the validation steps are transparent, if they're out in the open for everyone to see. 
and it'll give everyone a sense of confidence that, hey, you know, this election was not fraudulent. There were no mistakes made. There was nothing that could have uh, shifted this election in a way that people didn't vote. Because some of these elections can come down to, you know, sometimes just a few hundred. Uh, if you remember back in, I think, was it 20, 2000? Yeah, 2000. They had, you know, the hanging chad in Florida and everything else. And so they had to revamp their entire election measures to where now they are, um, they're the m- most, I don't want to say secure, but like they get the re- the results in exceptionally quick. They've validated exceptionally quick because they've put in place a very high confidence voter system. Um, and I think that other states would do well to do that. And I don't think it is outside of the realm of possibility and the realm of acceptance to question elections. If, you know, if there are things that are fishy, we should be allowed to question that without being censored by these big tech overlords. Uh, so this might be the last podcast you hear from me. Hopefully not. Um, but if 135 ballots can be misplaced or uh, mistakenly cast in a New York mayoral election, who's to say that something like that doesn't happen on a national scale? Uh, seems pretty straightforward to me. And thirdly, uh, our favorite uh, vice president, uh, Kamala Harris, apparently her office is full of dysfunction and in shambles. Uh, this comes from CNN. Uh Lots of staff um, not happy with the way her office is being run. Uh, really, really uh, tumultuous environment there. And uh, so it sounds like her own employees don't even like her. Most of the American people don't like her. Her approval rating's like low 40%, maybe. And she's not even the president. She's not done anything. Uh, she's pretty much failed at every task that's been given to her. Um, couldn't be bothered to go down to the border. Um, you know, tries to, it just, she's been terrible all around. So sounds like everything's going real well up in Washington, DC. So those are your quick hits for the day. And, uh, let's move on to the meat segment. Uh, getting into the title of this episode, death of patriotism in American culture, uh, I think this is still really relevant today. I, Even though I started working on this uh, about a month ago, um, some of these articles and uh, news stories I'll be referencing are, you know, a little older, but they have to do with the Olympics. You know, the Olympics are going on right now, so I think it's still pretty relevant. Um, because, honestly, we have to... We have a choice to make as Americans. We can either band together over our shared principles and realize that some people have different opinions and not blackball them for disagreeing like with your personal opinions. Or we can further divide the country and, you know, be divisive and not allow or accept or be tolerant of other beliefs besides our own. Um, One of my favorite things to do is to actually have these kinds of 
difficult conversations. Not even they're not even difficult. They're only difficult if you make them difficult. Uh, just have these conversations about you know politics and policy and why people believe what they believe, and just really try to understand someone else's point of view. And you can say, hey, you know, we're gonna agree to disagree, um, and have those conversations and realize. Uh, that just because they don't agree with you doesn't make them a bad person. Some of my best friends, I have vastly different political beliefs than, but it doesn't impact our friendship in one way at all. We we can have these conversations. We can recognize we voted for different people. We can... Ha- Honestly, they're fun conversations. I like the mental sparring match of you know trying to persuade or convince someone of my point of view, or just explaining my point of view um, to friends of mine and keeping it focused on policies. Um, And then, you know, we'll do it over a glass of bourbon or uh, a couple beers or something, and we can have really good engaging conversations about it. And then when we're done talking about it, we move on to the next topic and we'll talk about, you know, sports or whatever. And by the end of the time, it's like, it was, it was fun hanging out, you know, like, We've got to be able to realize having differing opinions does not make you a bad person. So that's what these uh, stories are going to support moving forward. Uh, So let's get right into it. Um, California doing their best to drive a wedge between the entire country. They have further increase their travel bans for state employees. So now, California state employees can no longer use state funds to travel to the following states. Florida, Arkansas, Montana, Nebraska, West Virginia, Texas, Alabama, Idaho, Iowa, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Kentucky, North Carolina, Kansas, Mississippi, and Tennessee for a total of 17 states. How... Somebody explain to me how we're supposed to be a united nation, right? The United States. How can we be united when we have individual states actively discriminating against other states? And this is exactly what I'm talking about. California has made this ban uh, to these other states because of different LGBTQ policies that they have. I I don't understand how that is in any way a productive way to engage with the rest of the country. Uh, Coming from NPR, uh, they're quoted... uh, Attorney General Bob Rob Bonta from California says, Make no mistake, we're in the midst of an unprecedented wave of bigotry and discrimination in this country, and the state of California is not going to support it. Uh, that's why you are allowed to make your own state laws. So, I, I don't understand how putting travel bans in place for your state employees makes any sense and the law that they're actually upset about is they're upset 
at states that are passing laws to prevent transgender women and girls. So these are men who quote unquote identify as women from participating in school sports consistent with their gender identity. So uh, this seems pretty obvious to me. If you're a dude, you shouldn't compete against girls, period. Um, that's not what I'm trying to get into today as far as our topics, but you are, as, as a man, scientifically as a man, you are exposed to like 3,000 times the testosterone of women. So if sports want to ban performance-enhancing drugs, steroids, testosterone, whatever, there's no possible way you can allow a transgender woman to compete against other women because they, for their entire life, have received massive amounts of testosterone, massive doses of testosterone that lead to things like increased muscle mass, increased bone density, things that allow them to con- like retain their male characteristics even though they've gone through, say, hormone replacement. It doesn't, it doesn't make their bones less dense. It doesn't make their muscles less strong. There's a UFC fighter. I'm free, I can't remember his name uh, off the top of my head. He transitioned, and he broke a woman's orbital bone. Like, broke her face. Okay? And, you know, getting to something more recent, uh, Laurel Hubbard is in the Olympics as a, as a weightlifter. As a man, I don't know who what his name was when he was a man, he never won. I don't even know if he ever qualified for a powerlifting, uh, for a powerlifting competition. And now, as a forty-one-year-old trans woman, is on the Olympic team. Come on, it's not fair to the women who are working their asses off to excel in their sport when you just say, "Oh yeah, hey, let's let men compete with women." That's ridiculous. But. That's another topic we can get into at another time. Um, But again, just by having this opinion, people will call me a bigot, a homophobe. Talk to me. Let's have a conversation about it. Let's back up our opinions with facts. Let's just try to see the issue from somebody else's point of view. I don't feel like that's a, that's a hard thing to do. But so that's what California is doing. They're furthering uh, division amongst both the states and the American people because they disagree with policies that are being passed that have no effect, no effect on California, first of all. Alabama passing a specific law has no effect on California. This is the entire purpose of the United States is that if I don't like the laws of where I'm living, I can go to a different locality or a different state. You know, maybe let's say I don't like paying income taxes in New York, so I move to Tennessee where they have no income tax or to Florida where they have no income tax. That's the purpose. But by not letting, by basically saying we're not going to interact with these states, as California is saying, you're just furthering division 
because you clearly don't understand a how to have mature conversations as an adult and b you don't understand how federalism and the united states system works it's it's frustrating it's really really irritating um but so moving on so death of patriotism and we've been seeing this uh a lot a lot more since you know it's weird we've been seeing it a lot more since 2008 um after obama came into office we started seeing a rise in these anti-american protests then you've got you know antifa and black lives matter and all who are burning the american flag trampling the american flag it's the symbol of our country okay a symbol of our country that has given the world a it's brought the world more wealth than it's ever known also as far as i'm aware i can't think of any other world superpower in history where until the united states where people have voluntarily migrated to with nothing just for the opportunity that the United States gives them. The fact that you are free and you can control your own destiny in the United States. The United States was built on voluntary migration and freedom. I can't, I can't think of another global superpower, empire, anything that has been built on that. You look back at history, you have, like, say, the Ottoman Empire, you have the Roman Empire, uh, English Empire. All of their civilizations were built off of war and conquest and conquering. People didn't just migrate to these empires voluntarily, except for the U.S. Because we have a culture and a system in place that allows you to make your own way. We have more class mobility than any other country. It is the most impressive thing. If you look at other countries, it, the United States has more opportunity and more fairness than any, any other country in the world. Uh, so the second story we're going to talk about is uh, this woman, Gwen Berry, uh, protesting the flag during the Olympic trials. So anyone who didn't hear about this when it happened, she uh, she turned her she was she got, came in third and turned her back on the American flag on the podium and uh, covered her face with an activist athlete shirt. So she came out talking to USA Today. And uh, says, you know, she never said she hated the country. Um, she just hates the flag and the anthem due to racism and lyrics. First of all, if you if you hate the if you hate the flag and the anthem, which represent the symbol, they're the symbol of your country, and you hate those, I I can't square the circle. How can you hate the symbols of your country, but claim to not hate your country? First of all, but. Her quote is, 
I never said that I hated the country. All I said was, I respect my people enough to not stand or acknowledge something that disrespects them. I love my people, point blank, period. Uh, last I checked, if you're an American citizen, the American people are your people. Last I checked. Because, like I said, we are a melting pot. There are People migrated here to become Americans. They didn't come to America to become Italians. They didn't come to America to become, uh, you know, Mexicans or a- any other group that they identify with. They migrated to the United States. Okay, they immigrated to become Americans, to become American citizens, and to partake in the American way of life. So, breaking down yourself and identifying more as, you know, black or Hispanic or uh, gay, straight, what, like, when you break yourself into these groups, these either racial groups, sexual orientation groups, all you're doing is you're alienating yourself and you're letting people put you in boxes. We should be Americans first. I'm not saying you have to give up your heritage. Uh, I'm not saying you can't be proud of your heritage. But you have to be an American first. Which just, which means you believe in the principles of America. That's it. America, like there's no ethnicity of American. There's no American ethnicity. The things that bind us together as Americans, or at least used to, are the principles in the Constitution, in the Declaration of Independence. We believe that all men are created equal, right? That you have the right to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, freedom of speech. These ideals, these ideas and principles are what used to bind us together even if we were having huge disagreements about whatever policy what we could always agree on the overarching principles of America and that that held us together as a country and now that's being torn apart because everyone's letting the, the media, the politicians, uh, just split you up and divide you. Say, oh, no, you need to identify as whatever your sexual orientation is. And that makes you underprivileged. No, it doesn't. It does not. Because you're now putting yourself in that box. You're letting someone else define you. Identify as American first. Uh, but so... Back to to Gwen's apology um, from USA Today. It it, it rings hollow because she has a history, actually, of protesting the flag. So, 2019, this is uh, two years ago, Pan American Games, during the anthem, she put her fist in the air and then said that the anthem doesn't speak for black people. So, uh, another quote from Ms. Barry. She said... If you know your history, you know the full song of the National Anthem. Well, first of all, it's a poem, but we won't get into details. She says, the third paragraph, it's actually a stanza, but third paragraph speaks to slaves in America 
our blood being slain all over the floor, Barry claimed during an interview. It's disrespectful and does not speak for black Americans. So does anyone, this is actually, I want to know, does anyone actually know anything beyond the first verse of the Star Spangled Banner? Like the first stanza by Francis Scott Key? Because it became our national anthem in 1931. And when it became our national anthem, only that first stanza became the national anthem. I feel as though I could go any, to any city in the country, ask a hundred people if they knew if they knew the full poem, or even past the first the end of the national anthem. Give me five words of the second stanza or third stanza of the poem, the Star Spangled Banner. I get, I would put money on it. That no one would know. No one. But because it seems to have such an impact on on Gwen Berry's uh, distaste for the symbols of our country, I'll go ahead and read the third stanza for you. And where is that band who so vauntingly swore that the havoc of war and the battle's confusion, a home and a country should leave us no more. Their blood has washed out their foul footsteps pollution. No refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave. And the star-spangled banner in triumph doth wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave. So, it, it says the word slave in there. But that's not what she's referring to. She's talking about the line here where it says, their blood has washed out their foul footsteps pollution. Uh, so let's go to a, a historian, you know, someone who knows their history, um, breaking this down. All right. So CNN had a story back in 2018 um, breaking down the national anthem. And it was all th- the whole thing. So Alan Taylor, who's a Pulitzer Prize-winning historian, uh, specializes in the colonial revolution and the early republic, uh, told CNN, the line about the blood being spilled is not meant as pro-slavery language. It is referring to the British poison ground and their polluting presence on American soil. So for people who know their history, also should know that the Star-Spangled Banner was written during the War of 1812. So, this her whole claim is completely false. Completely. Uh, and why, if she if she dis, has such distaste for our flag and for the anthem and for the country. Why do you want to compete in the Olympics for our country? Go somewhere else. Tell me where else you would have the kind of opportunity that you've had in the United States. Because from what I can tell, she's had a pretty privileged life. You know, she gets paid lots of money just to practice a sport. She's fantastic at it. I mean, she's the third best this year, but... Paid money to practice a sport 
to compete for the United States of America. I don't I don't understand why she wants to compete for the US if she if she ha, if she finds it that distasteful. So, let's contrast this uh, with another Olympic hopeful. Uh, Shakari Richardson, who uh, I'm sure everyone has heard this story at this point. Um, back in June, she was banned one month from competition due to a positive marijuana test. She is the United States' best sprinter. Um, and, you know, she had really big hopes for for the Olympics this year. Unfortunately, she tested positive for THC, uh, which is a banned substance according to uh, the United States and the International Track and Field uh, Sports Authority. So, uh, Shikari Richardson, I mean, it's really a sad thing uh, that she did test positive, that she, uh, you know, partook of, I don't know, shall we call it the devil's lettuce, marijuana, uh, Mary Jane. But if you look at uh, the way she handles it initially, uh, back when this happened, and the way the rest of the media and the celebrity and political figures handle it, uh, it, it's very different, and it signals a big change in the way people are uh, looking at things in our country. So, you know, we had celebrities calling it BS and racist and uh, unfair and everything else uh, that she gets banned for having the THC in her system. Um, however, Shakari Richardson, she at the moment handled it with class and remorse. Um, her, her biological mother had died and she was, she smoked, used marijuana in some way to, to handle that loss. And, you know, she said in her interviews, I know what I'm allowed and not allowed to do. It's unfortunate. I shouldn't have done it, but I made the decision. Um, and there will be more Olympics for me, right? And she also, you know, she was kind of just that subtle cockiness where she's like, I've got more Olympics and I got more talent to back it up. Like that's kind of, that's more of that, you know, American uh, frame of mind, right? It's like, yeah, I made a mistake, but it's not going to keep me down. I'm going to come back from it better, right? She doesn't use this as a crutch to bemoan her lot in life. She's not you know, complaining, oh, it's unfair, oh, this rule. Like, we can have discussions about should marijuana be considered a banned substance in sports. Um, There's there's plenty of room for that, right? Uh, Especially with it becoming more accepted um, over, you know, in different uh, countries and localities. But as an athlete, right, you're held to a higher standard. You know, college athletes uh, in the NCAA get randomly drug tested. Let's say they're playing for college in Denver and marijuana is legal in Denver. 
but it's not it's a banned substance for the purpose of competition in the NCAA. So you would get dinged and you'd be suspended for a you know for a game or a week or whatever the NCAA's policy is on marijuana. Like as an athlete, you have to realize you are held to a separate set of standards and it's no different than on any other uh, any other job really. You know, there's jobs where you get randomly drug tested. Maybe you're a truck driver or something and you get drug tested once a month or once every three weeks. And if you test positive for THC, you lose your job because even if you do it in your off time, because you're held to a higher standard. Like every job has standards. Every. Everywhere. And she she handled this, you know, pretty cl- with class at when it happened. Um, recently, she uh, has been been less classy. Um, you know, I mean, she's twenty one, so Twitter is uh, honestly. I don't think you should get on Twitter until you're twenty five years old or older, because I know everyone's posted tweets they they wish they hadn't, and uh, you know, social media is just. It's real easy to pop off at the mouth and then, you know, regret it. Um, But recently, you know, with there's been some drama, I guess, around the United States 400 meter relay team. Uh, They got DQ'd. Uh, Then she tweeted at them, miss me yet, which is, eh, you know, not cool because they're still your teammates, right? You still want, I would hope you still want your teammates to do well. I still, you still want your country to do well in the Olympics. Um, Thankfully, the U.S. team got reinstated and went on to win uh, at least their heat because it was a uh, it was a failure by the judges on the track. They misplaced. They did not place the track runners in the proper areas. So uh, the U.S. team got reinstated and I think won their heat. Um, but I just what I don't understand is why, as a culture, why are we supporting athletes for the Olympics that don't like our country and don't like the symbols of our country? You, you can be a fantastic athlete and, you know, compete for your own individual glory all you want. But if you don't, if you don't like our country, why should we support you in competing for our country? I, I just don't understand it. I say we should give that honor of competing for your country. You know, the 325 million people who live in the U.S. representing us on a national stage. We should give that opportunity, that honor, to someone who actually likes our country, who supports the anthem, who supports the flag. Regardless of whatever warts the country may have had in the past, we, as a country, the U.S., is always trying to better itself. You can see it through our history. We're constantly trying to live up to the ideals espoused in the Declaration of Independence, in the Constitution. So if, if you don't support our country, like, don't, don't try to represent us. Uh, and then also, why can we not have con- like just conversations 
and discussions about things we disagree on. You know, policy, uh, laws, cultural events that happen without, like, why can't we have conversations about the facts, about what has happened without attributing motive? You know, every day you'll see on the news, there's always some motive attributed to whatever most recent controversy of the day has happened before any of the facts come out. You know, Shikari Richardson tests positive for THC, gets banned for a month. Oh, it's racist. It's unfair. It's inequity. But why? If, it, if it's applied equally, we can discuss, you know, maybe it's a dumb rule. We can say maybe they should think about changing that rule. But no one, like, no one forced her to, to smoke or, have an, or however she ingested it. You know, the committee itself isn't, isn't racist or anything. As long as the rulings are applied equally, I, I don't know why we can't have these discussions without jumping to these arguments. It, it takes away from... The actual conversation. It keeps us from getting to results and, you know, actually moving forward in a, a positive manner or getting a resolution. You know, if we can talk about a policy just on the facts without attributing motive, we can say, okay, why, what impacts will this policy have or what? Uh, you know, perspective is this opinion coming from and what real-world impacts is it going to have? Then we can actually get to get to the heart of the matters. Even if it's a, a heated conversation, as long as we don't attribute motive to people, don't make it personal... I think that can actually help bring the country together. I think that can help bring friends back together and families. Because people are taking politics and attributing motive to actions and beliefs and opinions that they're, they're losing friends, they're losing family members. Like they, they're excommunicating themselves from their family just because they disagree on political issues. Like, are you kidding me? Or someone they've been friends with for 10 years doesn't agree with them or didn't vote for the same person. And so now they just, nope, lost a friend. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. That's saying, I like apple pie, you like cherry pie, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Are you kidding me? That's the entire purpose of the voting booth. So we can have our different opinions. And still be you know, friends with each other and not attribute motive. I have friends of every walk of life. And I, I like having these conversations with them. But we, we set ground rules because just because we disagree doesn't take away 
you know, our years of friendship and how we've treated each other as people. And I think we need to kind of get back to that understanding um, and get back to, you know, really trying to make our country better and recognize it for the ideals with which we're striving towards instead of using the worst, you know, warts of our history that happened over a hundred years ago, you know, 60 years ago, to define our country today. Because our country is vastly different today than it was 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 60 years ago, 100 years ago. And I just think that we need to, you know, get back to talking to people as people um, and not letting these narratives be set in our head by the talking heads on the TV and, you know, the elites in the government. Uh, but let me know what you guys think. Uh, have any of you guys lost friendships or, you know, family relationships because of, because of politics? Uh, or are you able to have these conversations with people and keep it, uh, keep it to the facts and keep it to the policies without letting it impact your friendship and your relationships? Uh, let me know. And I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening to Unpopular Opinions with Nick. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star review wherever you're listening to your podcast. You can also interact with us on Facebook and Instagram at unpopularopinions.tm. Have a good one.